Before applying for an exit visa, my parents had spent six years arguing about emigration, in the way in which they argued. My mother cajoled my father, reasoned with him, and screamed at him, and he played stone stubborn. My mother argued that it was necessary for my future. If we stayed in the Soviet Union, I would not be admitted to university. In their preoccupation with my imaginary college career in the United States or the USSR, my parents were oblivious to the fact that in grade school I had been beaten almost daily for being Jewish, and in middle school I was ostracized and feared because I had learned to fight back. When I was eight, my brother was born, and my parents turned to arguing about whether they had to emigrate for both of our futures. In 1978, when my brother was three and I was eleven, they made the call, and we all finally landed on one side of the debate. From here, the people who were staying looked lost, but I thought my parents were acting foolhardily, too. I was sure that the only place we could be safe was Israel. I talked about this with my best friend, and with my parents, and with the friends I saw on Saturday nights in front of the synagogue in central Moscow. That was an unofficial Jewish youth hangout. We moved around in clumps, exchanging news and rumors on the state of everyone's exit visa application, then broke off to go to someone's house to sit around singing Yiddish and Hebrew songs. Once, following a Simchat Torah celebration in front of the synagogue, it was the one night of the year when we sang out in the street, in plain view of the police, I ran into the mother of the remaining Jewish boy from one block over. She and I took the subway home together, and on the way I talked to her about this. Our conversation hovered over a very limited range of choices. There was the possibility of staying in the Soviet Union, an option that my parents had taught me to believe was irresponsible and immoral. We lived in a country where we were hated. Throughout my childhood, this hatred assumed the relatively benign form of consistent discrimination. Jews faced extreme hurdles gaining admission to universities and obtaining jobs. The study of Hebrew and most forms of Jewish communal life were criminalized. Who could tell when this daily hatred would again turn deadly for the Jews? Then there was the Israel option, which, for lack of any reliable information about that country— and in the presence of unrelenting anti-Zionist propaganda in the Soviet papers, was reserved for those brave enough to face utter uncertainty in the name of the cause. I believed myself to be one of these people, but my parents had other plans. There were the countries of the New World, the United States, Australia, and Canada, which granted asylum to Soviet Jews with relative ease and were considered an option for those who were not so idealistic as they were enterprising. My parents, two exceedingly shy intellectuals in their mid-thirties, were trying on this role. And then there was the old world, whose geographic proximity and cultural luster made it the object of our dreams. But it was, as ever, off-limits, the countries of Western Europe were not giving out visas to Jews fleeing Russia. Just two generations earlier, indeed even a generation earlier, just after the Second World War, 
This conversation would have included one more option, one that had now receded to something between fantasy and a joke. Time was, it was spoken of with the same breathless hope with which my friends and I now spoke about Israel or Paris. It had seemed, to some, as logical a solution to the Jewish question as the United States or Canada. The place was called Birobidjan. Founded in the 1930s, it was perhaps the worst good idea ever. It was born, as such ideas are, of a rational premise. It was, as such ideas are, deceptively simple. Why dream of a Jewish state, the logic went. Why conjure up utopias of inaccessible places, restored languages, of Jews creating their own military? All the Jews really need, according to this thinking, is to be left alone with their language.